All right. And we're back. It's been a while. Mike Cernovich, Mike Bolin, Mindset Squared. We um, fell off the, the face of the earth, kind of, I think. COVID. Yeah, well, we, we got caught up in COVID, my friend. COVID, the, the momentum killer, killed, yeah. killed a lot of projects. Because we had, um, well, you, you and I have a mutual friend, Nestor, and we had our whole cigar thing all planned out. We even had, Mike, we even had a website. We built a website for the thing. Uh, what was it? The Cigar Night. The website's still there. And we had Cigar Nights planned all the way from Laguna Beach, California, which we actually did one, right? We did one in, in 2020 pre-COVID. It was in late January. And That's right. Yeah. yeah and we, we were overselling them, actually. It was funny. We were, we were, they were getting too big, actually. So we had to, we, we didn't even advertise the last couple, we didn't make them public. We would just email people who already attended an event because it got to the point where it was getting way too crowded for cigar night. Cause cigar nights you want to keep at 30 to 40. And we were creeping up like way past 50 because then, you know, what happens is you buy a ticket and then, Oh, Hey, can I bring my friend? He just found out. And I don't want to tell him no. And okay, that's so let me stop you right there. For those of you that don't know Mike, I mean, here's the thing. Mike's, Mike's a great guy, and I've got to know Mike very well on a personal level, too. But Mike hates to say no to people. And so we, we put together the events, right? Nestor and I are like, okay, the venue can only have 35 people. We always sell 36, 37, 38 tickets because, you know, or whatever the venue limit is. Because, you know, you always have one or two people that will buy tickets and not show, or they just buy tickets. And they're like, hey, I, I love what Mike's doing. I'm gonna buy a ticket and support him, but I can't come to the event. We get that all the time. And, um, but then of course, Cerno wants to tell us, hey, I've got a friend coming. We've got to let this guy in. We got to let this guy in. So there's a few people after we're sold out that we have to end up letting in. And I think the last one, we were way over capacity. I mean, I think we were gonna break that, uh, what we were on like a deck, like an outside deck, and the people just kept coming in. Yeah, the people kept pouring in. We, I mean, you guys brought in Ron and other people too, though. So, <laughs> we, I'm not. I'm not the only. I'm not the only guilty person. But this yeah, is that, true. This is true. But, but we were. Yeah, they were doing. They were doing easily. That I mean, we could have done hundreds um, if we just. But then you don't have a cigar night. You just right. have a bunch of people. I don't know. I, I didn't even know logistics of it. A cigar night, you want 30, 40 people at the very max. And then, of course, too, I thought it was funny that we had a great venue. We were probably paying their mortgage. The deal was we'd pay the venue 600. We'd buy 600 in cigars, minimum spend. And right. then we would bring in, you know, 40, 50 people who would know that shop, buy, buy from the shop. And then that was going good. And I guess they thought they had us by the balls. And then they go, oh, well, now the room is 1100 and you still have to buy the 600 cigars. And we were like, okay, bye, dude. That was, but that's such a dumb business move because they could have counted us every month. Here you go, like clockwork, 1200 bucks. And based on where it was, their mortgage was probably $2,500, maybe. You would know better than me. Yeah. But it wasn't in an expensive area. So the mortgage is probably 2500 bucks. We're going to pay half your mortgage every month. No problem. We're happy to do it. And then they get greedy and then, of course, try to squeeze us. And now they've missed out on all that. 
Yeah, and I, I think that's that's very common in a lot of businesses, um, you know, not just uh, a cigar shop, but, you know, restaurants, all kinds of places are guilty of that. And, and you're right, you had uh, that original place, and I'm not, I forget the name of it, but it doesn't matter. It was, uh, but it wasn't in, where were we doing that? What city was that in? That was like Irvine or close to Irvine or something? Yeah, somewhere in Orange County. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, it was kind of an off-brand cigar place in an older strip mall. The lease there, you're right, was probably about $2,500 or $3,000 a month. And, you know, you were bringing in some really, I mean, some really high-quality people there. And uh, myself included, of course. And, uh, but you attracted some really high-quality people in yeah. there who, without a doubt, would have been uh, patrons of that place. And so, yeah, sometimes you have to look at those things and say, hey, we're breaking even on this, but we're going to sell a lot more later. I mean, you know the value of customer acquisition and what a customer, you know, ultimately pays you over the term, the lifetime of having that customer, right? Um, yeah, we're bringing them advertising and bringing them new customers and just a nice monthly income. That's what I didn't understand about it was you could just, you know, you're going to get this from us every month. Why, why yeah. don't you, but, but I, I, I was helping a friend of mine who is, he's trying to get out of a company and unwind it. And he's much younger than he's like 28. And he goes, I don't understand why this guy's acting this way. I don't, it's like people are greedy. They're short-term greedy. They're not long-term greedy. That's 90% of people you do business with and you better choose your partners wisely because he's in a predicament. He's in a total predicament. He, the end is he's going to get fucked out of a couple hundred grand and that's it. There's oh, just, too bad. rather than deal with litigation that'll drag on for years and cost yeah. you God knows how much. And it's weird. It's almost like a, I'm like a psychologist or something because he goes, but it doesn't make sense. All this guy has to do is, nothing and sit there and collect checks but instead he wants to fuck with everybody else and i go well yeah that's that's most people you know so what happened with the business was you or i would be in the shangri-la we'd be in heaven yeah uh, the, early early on this guy funded a venture not even that much money five-figure check not okay. even that much money they bring on my friend to do marketing promotion hype everything else and then my friend is like killing it so they, they quadruple revenue in a quarter. Wow. Right. And then one of the partners is going to, so there were you know three partners. My friend comes in, so he's a fourth partner, minority partner, say 15% partner. Well, then one of the partners gets caught stealing, oh, allegedly. Gosh. And so I won't use names because I don't want some guy being like, you called me a thief. So a 25% partner gets caught stealing, allegedly, some trivial amount of money. And then the money partner and I put money partner in quotes because he didn't put up hundreds of thousands of dollars, right? He, he put up like 50 grand or something. So the quote unquote money partner says, well, since I'm the money partner, we're just going to oust this 25% partner who stole and I'm going to take his shares. And I was like telling my, my friend, I'm like, okay, dude, like you need to hire a local lawyer. I'm not going to give you legal advice, but I'm just telling you that there's like, first of all, you can't just kick a partner out, steal his shares and not pay him, right? There's just like everything in the situation. So you're starting off with, you just can't do that. You have to buy him out, even if he steals, sorry. Yeah. And you're going to have to get evaluation of the company. But then I go, the guy can't, the, the money partner is just said, well, I'm just going to take the guy's shares because I'm the money partner. And so my friend's just not getting it. I was like, you're not dealing with the reasonable person. You need to just lawyer up 
get out of the thing, be, start a new venture, do something completely different, and just take the, the capital loss. But that's, that's human nature, unfortunately. Yeah, there's a, um, you know, it's almost like a soap opera and, and, and folks that are listening to this can Google it. It's actually a really great news story if somebody wants to read this. Um, it has all the makings of a movie and certainly a made for TV movie. But here in Napa Valley, there's a resort here. It, it's a fabulous resort. It's called the Silverado Resort and Country Club. It's been there since the 1950s. Uh, PGA events, uh, car shows. It's just very elegant, gorgeous. Concours de Elegance used to be there. Just, and they do a major, uh, the Safeway Open PGA events held there. So this Japanese firm in the 1980s, remember back when Japan was buying everything in the 1980s, and they had all these TV and movies about it, and Japan was buying up America. Well, one of the things they did was they bought up this resort in Napa Valley. And they paid $120 million for this resort back in like 1989. And they, the thing had kind of fallen, you know, from grace and it wasn't very nice anymore. It's kind of run down. And I don't know if you, if you follow golf, but the famous golfer, Johnny Miller, this guy won like the PGA, the Budweiser Open. He was a big deal back in the day. So Johnny Miller partners up with believe it or not, the guy that owns Rug Doctor. Everybody knows Rug Doctor that's inside the grocery stores and stuff. Yep. And so this guy, I, I think I had read that he's worth $600 million, okay? This guy that owns the Rug Doctor. So he partners up with Johnny Miller, the pro golfer, and then some guy who was going to operate the hotel and resort. They each own like 28%, and then they give the general manager like a 3 or 4% ownership stake. Um, the rug doctor guy puts up all the money, okay, like 35 million, they buy the resort for. So basically, the, the Japanese took a $90 million loss on this thing. They sell it, they, put, they buy it, they put a bunch of money in it, blah, 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 blah. Well, exactly what you're talking about. The, the, the rug doctor guy finds out, or at least allegedly finds out, that Johnny Miller has bought all these souped up golf carts, one of the partners sold one of the condos at the club for like 200 grand that was worth $600,000. And there's this huge news story now about this thing. But the guy who put up the money, the money guy wants to take their shares. And, but he's going through court now and he's, he's accusing them of everything, fraudulently getting PPP money, uh, you know, misappropriating funds, uh, you know, running expenses through the account that shouldn't be there all kinds of stuff, but you've got these famous people involved and then you've got tens of billions of dollars of invo involved as well. Last week, I own a condominium out there and last week I sold it. And part of the disclosures that the realtors gave me was that we're aware of the news story about what's happening at the club. And so they've got to tell you that all this is happening out there and that you're aware that Johnny Miller's being sued, the club's going through all this turmoil and all that. It was just, it's, such a such a saga and you're right 100% if you can get out of those situations and move on down the road you should do it because i'll bet this situation with these guys drags out for two or three years and you got two or three your your years of your life lost trying to fight that yeah it's it's at every level and it's at every level of human nature the the short term greed whether you're dealing with a cigar shop that just has 
guaranteed money. Yeah. Good as gold. Here you go. Or a business that once my friend leaves a business, there's no business. It, it's gone. Well, and the thing about the cigar shop that really doesn't make sense about that whole thing was the quality of people you were bringing in, the amount of stuff that we were buying. And then on top of that, you weren't even doing it. That Those original cigar nights weren't even on the weekends. They were like on Tuesday and Wednesday nights and yeah. stuff. I mean, how busy is a cigar shop on a, on a Wednesday night in the middle of February? Right. Yeah, that's everything about it. But that's... That's human nature. They want to put the screws to you and whatever. Yeah. And then the irony of that was we, we realized that we could just have better venues for the same amount of money anyway. You know, maybe, maybe it was my fault, though. It, it might have been my fault. Maybe they saw that interview I did with Jacob Wool. Oh, no. Yeah, that definitely wasn't it. But that was just greed or either that. It could be two things. One is it could be um, greed from the owner. Or it could be the manager is doing something behind the, behind the scenes with the owner and then is like taking a cut off the top or something. You never, you never really fully know. So it could just be greed or it could be you have an employee going, oh, you know, I'll just bump it up a couple hundred bucks and then I'll, I'll skim that off the top. Yeah. Or, I or I won't ring up all the cigars that they buy or, you know, some kind of thing. Could be that too. Yeah. But regardless is – the, you know, the challenge I deal with a lot of people that I, that I help is, or consult with help maybe sounds like, you know, people with dying cancer or something, but <laughs> is that they get, they're frustrated that other people aren't acting rationally. It's like, well, first of all, you're probably not acting as rationally as you would think you are. But secondly, you can't be frustrated that people are behaving in predictable ways. It's to me predictable for a partner to, in a business to be short-term greedy and that's why I don't have partners in hardly anything because yeah. that's the norm. That's the norm. The norm is I don't want to build an enterprise. I want to get paid here. My wife's harassing me. Why is this business not making any money? But that's the norm is every day. Like somebody just nitpicking about yeah. why is the company not bigger? Well, I mean, you know, how long does it take to build a company? Yeah. Five years. Are you on board for five years? I'm on board for five years. You are. Okay. Let's talk in two and a half years. And you know, see how you feel about that. But yeah, so that's the that's part when people get frustrated. I think there's a really valuable nugget in there um, for folks that are listening to this that, you know, one thing that I've found over years and years, decades in business is that unless you're dealing with somebody who, you know, is like a lifelong friend and you know, you know, this person's moral character and stuff, those people are kind of exempt from this. But um, generally speaking, the wealthier the person is that you're dealing with, the longer term horizon they're able to take with business. So, you know, there's guys that will take like a, you know, a short term. And when I say short term, it might be a two or a three year loss on a project because they know that the upside on that is far greater. You know, hey, I'm going to take a two or three hundred thousand dollar loss on, you know, producing a podcast, right? And because I know that, you know, further down the line, you know, I'm going to be able to sell a Gorilla Mind Youth Serum, you know, to at a greater level or something, right? And so there's a much bigger payday further out. But you're right, people that don't have a lot of money or lack experience typically are so short-minded. And, you know, they want to get paid today. They want, you know, everything's nickel and dime today. And they just are torching their future and they can't figure out why they can't get ahead. It's because- and A lot of it too is- like people have money. This money partner has the money. 
And I've, and I've had to get out of relationships I had with people business-wise because I'm like, you have a, a lot of money and you're not being intelligent about it. And then, you're, you know, they, they start stressing me out or whatever. And so it's, it's very, there's a reason most people don't do anything legacy, right? Right. It's people think you're going to start a business, you're going to get money, and then they start drawing off the cash flow rather than putting the money back into the, you know, into the business and reinvesting exactly. profits and everything. Because nobody wants to hear that. Nobody wants to hear that you need to work a job and then start a business on the side. That way you have income. And then you just roll things back in that, yeah, they don't want to hear that. And that's fine. It doesn't bother me. It's just that's something that I learned. And I see with people over and over again happen is they, you know, they become frustrated because the other person doesn't have the same time horizon they do, even though they think they do it. Because the way business usually starts is, hey, you want to start a business? Yeah, sure, let's do it. You don't give a lot of thought to it. Yeah. Things start going, and then things start going. But the irony is that you probably get along better when things are going bad because you have shared misery. It's when things start to go a little bit good. And now there's like a little bit of money. Oh, there's, right. there's some money on the table now. Okay, now we're going to fight about what happens where if things are bad, you just, oh, that didn't work. What can you do? And you don't want to blame the other guy because then you got to blame yourself. But things go a little bit good. Then you have a real problem. Well, it's tough when your business is rolling you know, and, and let's say, let, let's just make it easy and say, you know, you own a, uh, a jack-in-the-box franchise with some guy and, you know, you're, you're doing $200,000 net, you know, um, it's hard, you know, to live, continue to do the austerity plan and live on, you know, forty dollars or $50,000 salary and put 100000 away to either pay off the building or buy another franchise. You know, you got another guy that wants to, you know, go get the new Corvette and do all this kind of stuff and not willing to reinvest into the business. And so uh, that continued austerity is really tough to do. And, uh, and I think that a lot of guys really struggle with that. There's no doubt. Even if they're, you know, solo entrepreneurs, uh, they struggle with that. I mean, we've all seen the guys that buy you know, the big pickup truck and all the jet skis and the lake house and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, uh, they're buried in debt and, uh, you know, can't reinvest in the business. So. Yeah. Then they, then they need to pull cash out. Yeah. And then the businesses that grow as fast and they complain the businesses. I've seen that over and over. It's so, so tell me a little bit about uh, what you've got going on with uh, the uh, youth serum thing, because that's one of my favorite products. And I, and, and yeah, you, just so folks know, you didn't even ask me about it. I literally got an email today because I, I buy, I bought that stuff um, and have been for a couple of years. And then I got a big email blast today from, um, so you got a new brand or something? Tell me what's going on there. So Shauna now has a skincare line and is launching a line of clean skincare products. Okay. And what's the brand the, name? Kosh. Kosh. Oh, how do you spell that? C-O, but it's got that Oakland or Oakland or whatever you call it on the yeah. top. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, but the, the formulations and the serum, moving those two little boxes, the formulation, the serum are the ones that are on the kitchen table. The, um, the formulations are all like really good stuff, really clean skincare. That's kind of, kind of in. And yeah, so that's going, you know, that's launched. I love that product. I mean, is it the same one that you were doing same before? One. Yeah, same formulation. Okay. Yeah, that, that's a great product. And, um, and actually, I don't know why you sell it so cheap. That's just between you and me. <laughs> well, it's $19.99. And um, I mean, the, the reason is because the margins are high. Um, and you don't need mm -hmm. to, like, exploit people. There, there's like, a, 
there's, you know, you want to make as much money as you can as a, you know, business owner. But the flip side is skincare is the, just absurd. You know, some of this stuff is, I'm not sure what it costs per unit. Uh, I'm not sure what it costs per unit, but it's like really good. Yeah, it's a great and, product. I mean, yeah, yeah. It, I've had the same thing. I use uh, Jack Black, I, and that's like a, uh, it's in a blue bottle. It's a brand I've used for probably 10 years, and it's got like, you know, the eye cream and the face cream and blah, 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 blah. I've used that forever. And I've never brought anything else in, but I just, you know, as a friend or whatever, I always order crap if my friends are selling it. So as a friend, I, I just bought, you know, like a, you guys had a three bottle deal on it a while back. And I started using it and then I was like, oh man, this stuff is actually really great. And so, uh, so now I'm actually uh, hooked on the product and I love it. No, it's, 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 it was the number one selling product by unit by far. And at the price, there's nothing, you can compare it to, Hundred. If you bought that at a spa, it'd be about one hundred twenty-nine dollars. I was going to say the price would be outrageous. Yeah, it'd be one hundred twenty-nine. The just to get people, um, because it was out of stock for so long. It's nineteen ninety-nine now, and it's going to get bumped up to probably twenty-four ninety-nine. Though it'll probably get bumped up to twenty-nine ninety-nine. But you've got like a because uh, I I I'm pretty sure I sent something off. Uh, I thought I bought three bottles of that today. Do you have like? Yeah, a there's a bundle. Yeah, then the oh, bundle. Okay. Yeah, so the bundle is like, I think forty nine or something like that. But yeah, it'll all, it, it'll start gradually going up. But it was because initially, got to remember too. This and this is a lot about business. Is that it was initially? I don't want to call it a joke, but I, I guess they called a lark, which was we. You know, I would use this facial serum. Right. And the other, you know, the formulator. Everybody used skincare. We're like, why don't we just try a skincare product? And then we didn't think much would happened from it and it's oversold we like ran out of inventory it oversold and then it took forever to get more inventory oh okay, okay. yeah it's been out of stock for almost a year i think now are you still using because you guys had a really cool like bottle where it was like uh this brown bottle with it like should be the droplets yeah it should all be the same okay like nice spa spa treatment kind of stuff very cool yeah yeah i know yeah. it's it's um yeah but it's out of stock for a year and the whole backstory to that too but we'll save that for another year and well it's funny because i'll tell you the story i don't even think you know about this but i'll tell you a story about shauna because um when we were at a well, one of our cigar nights in um las vegas and i think this was last was it last october maybe i think it was last october october of 19 um we had that big penthouse remember and um there was a two-bedroom penthouse, and so for those of you that weren't weren't at the event, Mike and I held this cigar event. It was at like the top of this um, uh, the Palms, the Palms Hotel. It was at the it was like a penthouse suite at the top of the Palms, killer venue. I think it had like a, it had a hot tub hanging off the deck and stuff. Yeah, was, that was a really nice place. That was cool. And so Mike and I stayed there, and um, we uh, it was a two-bedroom place, and Shauna comes in and says, uh, hey, Mike, uh, can I borrow your, you know, whatever, your toothpaste or your hair dryer or something? I was like, just go on in my, uh, go on in my room there and grab it, whatever. And I was in the kitchen and then she comes out and she goes, you've got the Gorilla Use Serum. I'm like, yeah, I've been using that shit forever. And so she, she thought that was really funny that it was sitting there on my, uh, on my counter at the- uh, Oh, the stuff's legitimately good. There, yeah. it's, 
the reorder rate on that's higher than actually any of the supplements. The reorder oh, wow. rate is like super high. And then it was like, just start a whole line of skincare. But then, you know, it's, this is what you learn in business is people, I'm, I'm um, maybe too early to pivot. So I'm not saying that I'm the right approach, but I'm pretty good at pivoting. Yeah. Um, I remember there was even an article in the New York Times that was mad at me in 2017. They said, the article was called, um, in, our, in our cynical world, there's no such thing as failure. You just pivot. And they were like, Mike Cernovich did it up pivots. And, and they're all really mad. And, and like, I'm that way too, is I, if you have a company and then you, you go into a product and you're like, oh, this is outperforming everything else. Then you just go into that product. To me, that's not even right. uh, a difficult decision. It's just, okay, you're a skincare company now. Right. But not, not everybody or even most people are like that. Well, this is like those uh, those TV shows they have on CNBC, you know, where they follow around like the the sign shop or they follow around the guy in the ice cream business. And they're like, hey, you know, uh, your, your ice cream business is doing 200,000 a year, but you're doing 150 grand and, you know, chocolate chip ice cream sandwiches. Why the hell? And you're right. making six times the money. Why don't we just start selling ice cream chocolate chip sandwiches and forget about these cones? And right. the guy's like, but I love cones. I love cones, man. <laughs> And it's like, well, you can love them all you want, but we're selling ice cream sandwiches now. Yeah. That, the, that yeah, is the, the Yeah, the ego attachment to it. The, um, the, yeah, there's a, lot, there's a lot of things that go on. A lot of, most businesses, by the way, it's just psychology anyways, uh, mindset. And you get that where it's like, okay, you're, um, you're a skincare company now. You're not a, you're not a supplement business anymore. Well, I think that's why people need to just take the risk and get out there and do it, you know, because you do, you know, you never know where this stuff leads and it does leave you off in different directions. I mean, I'm thinking back to, let's go back to our event in, um, in Las Vegas that we were talking about a few minutes ago. I mean, remember we had a guy who came to that event that we, uh, that, that his business is to go and fricking play craps with you at the casinos. The guy, the guy was a genius. Jim Staggs was the guy's name. And, uh, and what a great name for uh, a casino consultant, <laughs> Jim Staggs. I think that's his website, jimstaggs.com. No affiliation, but great guy. And uh, Mike and I both won money at the craps table. And uh, this guy was, un I mean, so brilliant and so good at what he did. I mean, you, you know, depending on what the dice were, he'd be like, oh, don't do that. That's a, you know, eight to one on that one. And then the right dice would roll again. He'd be like, okay, now do this. It's six to one, you know, and unbelievable and so you just never know where that kind of stuff's going to lead you know but uh but there's so many different kinds of businesses out there but there's even a business where you can go and play at the casino with people for money everything and then there's again you know pivoting where if you help people with casinos or if you help people gamble then maybe you do um deal flow right maybe you do equity raises maybe you do market making there's a lot of different things but people have and it's common because you're not trained like this, but people have sort of like a one-dimensional thing. Here's what I do. I do X and I do X very well, not realizing that there's always a crossover. Yes. Like you can do X, but X might lead to, you know, something. So cigar nights, for example, if the cigar shop were better or smarter, um, they would have not just realized we were paying what they paid them, but I was giving them free advertising. Right. Right. They just like, oh, we're a cigar shop and they're paying us for the facility. You're like, no, no, no. 
Like you should be paying me. How yeah. imagine like I'm going to bring in 40 or 50 cigar aficionados who live within driving distance to your shop. How much would that cost you in advertising? Thousands of dollars. Yeah. What's the customer cost acquisition on that? Yeah. If you're running Facebook. Exactly. Same. Right. But in their mind, they're just like, Oh, we're selling him cigars and that's how the relationship is. And again, that's common, but you do boy, realize how was that uh, for those that uh, that missed it? Boy, you really missed an event too, Mike. Uh, independent of anything that uh, Nestor and I do with Mike, um, you did a cigar uh, fundraising event, charity event, a week or I don't know what it was, a week or two ago, um, with a, a buddy of yours who's got a really great cause. But man, that cigar shop that we went to in Los Angeles was insane. I mean, I'm still talk, yep. telling my my buddies about that just yeah. really incredible place. I mean, this place had a glass enclosed poker room. It had a, uh, a back room with a key coded entry, uh, marble walls, uh, absolutely incredible air filtration system inside that place. I mean, it was yeah. just over the top. And I think it, it, they, I think the guy had said they opened like in December or January, which is really sad. If you think about it, the timing on that was just really bad, but. Yeah, they're, they're, um, yeah, it's a beautiful place. And now there's people who, if you want to have a cigar event, I won't name the place because I don't know if the city will be mad or whatever, but yeah, I think the loophole was if you're a private lounge, then you can still have events or something like that. But then the flip side too is we, COVID sabotage, not sabotage, but delayed it, but we were going to initially buy and start our own cigar club. Me, you, and Nestor, we're going to yep. get a place. We were like really looking and then COVID happened and just right. the, the world got busy. And that grew out of the cigar night because then you realize, okay, we're paying 1200 a month to a venue. And sometimes the venue is 1800, you know, depends because we don't make a right. ton of money on the, we don't, actually, I think we, we run them at mostly break even, but that's if we're lucky. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But you know, all in is worth it. And yeah. Yeah. If oh, you don't factor in travel time and everything else. Yeah. I'm yeah. just saying. It's a total, it's a, business wise, it's a total loser, but networking wise, it's a grand slam. Right. But then you realize too, we could get hundred people in the area to do 99 a month and promise them one cigar event a month. And then a big thing every quarter. Yeah. We could hundred people for that. That's, that would be so fast. Well, and, then, and I think, yeah. you know, um, we'll still end up doing that. I, I think what it's going to take is, you know, this real estate market and that's, this, this will be for another show, but I mean, the real estate market is, you know, uh, especially the commercial real estate market and those kind of spaces that'll work for what we're, we're wanting to do. The prices on those are going to be so much lower over the next six months than where they are right now. And uh, just with the amount of restaurants and, and bars and, you know, industrial spaces and retail spaces that are all going into default right now. It's, it's astronomical, the level of landlords that have not received their full rent yeah. since March. It is astronomical. And as these uh, evictions of moratoriums burn off, you're going to see some deals in the real estate sector that, that we haven't seen in, you know, since 2009. It's really going to be an incredible opportunity. So. No, it'll be a great, it'll be a great opportunity. And that's also too, why I'm glad that it changed. But like, I remember when the market hit in 28 in 20 or 2008, 2009, 
And that was the single greatest opportunity to jump a tier than my whole life. Oh, yeah. And, and, and now this is even better. This is the, the greatest opportunity in my 43 years of, of living to jump a full tier. And yes. that's why when people are like, oh, I'm panicking, I'm freaking out. It's like, if you got a wife and kids and you lost your job, I have all the compassion in the world for you. But if you're like a young man, I just kind of view you with contempt. Right. Like, oh, you're afraid of your young, fit man, and you're, you're crying yourself to sleep. You have no obligations. But no, I, I just don't have time. I just don't have time to talk to you. Well, it's, you know, I, we're already starting to see some of these, these type of deals that you're talking about, these tear jumping deals. There's a, um, and I'll go back to another example right here in my backyard. And I mean, I'm using examples it literally in my backyard and I'm in a little teeny tiny market up here and in, in just outside of San Francisco in Napa Valley. But there's a uh, hotel here in Napa. It's uh, the Napa Valley Marriott. Okay. Yep. So this property sold, I believe it sold in 2009 for 30 or, or yeah, the guy bought it for 30 million. He sold it for 70 million. Okay. And uh, this firm bought it. They put a ton of money into it. They're publicly traded the properties uh, appraised are worth about 150 million based on uh, current trading prices. They just signed a deal to sell it for $99 million. I tweeted this yesterday. They, they took a $47 million haircut to unload this prime, prime property in Napa. In Napa Valley is, is you know, one of the premium hotel destinations in the country. Uh, because you can hardly build anything here. Permits take forever and capacity is unbelievable. Occupancy rate here is just off out of the, out of, just through the roof. And so this hotel is selling for a $47 million discount because this publicly traded company has to raise capital. So, and, and that's just teeny, teeny, tiny tip of the iceberg kind of deals that are starting to pop up right now. And so this stuff takes a long time to work through the system, but it is working through the system now. Yeah, and there, it's just only going to be, there's only going to be more. And then even younger people who, or even older people, I mean, that's the beauty of it is that there's, there's like a belief that if you're a 50-year-old man, wherever you are, is kind of where you are. But there's nothing that's stopping anyone from just driving around and looking for distressed properties. Right. Trying to put together deals and trying to put together like ideas and get a finder's fee. There's just nothing stopping people from doing that like the hopelessness and stuff from people. I just can't, you know, it's why I've been not isolated, but it's why, you know, we only do nice events and things like that because I right. just can't deal with people being like, oh, I don't know what to do. Like you can't go drive around. You can't go walk around and like look for properties and see for well, what th Those kind of opportunities are out there. And, and since you brought it up, I'll do a shameless plug. Uh, people can go to mikebolin.com and I've got a little uh, private uh, Telegram group that I do. I, for those that don't know, Telegram is kind of like a private Twitter channel. And I uh, think of Twitter, it's like that. And I don't even charge that much, Mike, to, to join this thing. But uh, folks join it for a year and I put a little bit of money on it. I have a, a, my son, George, uh, he's 18. He's like, dad, you got to quit at answering all these DMs and all these, these messages and stuff. You, you're getting like overloaded with that stuff. You're not making any money on it. And he's like, just do its private telegram group and charge people a few bucks to get into the thing. And then that way you can just focus on people that are legit and not the deadbeats. So go to mikebolin.com and you can join that thing. And, uh, you know, 
get in there and be a part of that group because we do talk about a lot of those kind of things that you just mentioned, driving around, finding a deal or whatever that real estate stuff is. And um, we're even putting together a group uh, investment uh, product in there as well. So, um, yeah, it's the best time right now, man. Never been yeah. a better time in the history of the world. That, that's, right, why I always tell people, yeah, that's why I always tell people too, especially with a lot, because a lot of men read me and they want to whine about feminism all day and everything. And I was, I always say, I'm like, look, if you're a man and you're just a loser and then you turn 40 years old and you're like, I don't want to be a loser anymore. And you go to the gym and you start hustling and you really turn around and you're 45 years old, five years later, you're 45. If you then say, you know what? I want the hot chick. I want the cool car. You can go get it. You, you can go get it. You can have kids. There's literally nothing you can't do. Amen. If you're a woman and you're just like, I'm going to get sun damage and, you know, not take care of my body and, and everything else. You're 40. Like, okay, you know, good luck. Um, right. You know, you're not going to, it's just unfair. That's, that's the irony is that I think it's like unfair to be a man. You can be 45. You know, you can be that loser at 40, become great at 45, and then date a 30-year-old. And 30-year-olds are, like, lining up to date men in their 40s because 30-year-old men are such fuck-ups. Yeah. That there's this whole, like, daddy thing now that everybody's into. And so you, could, you can date 25. I mean, if you're comfortable with that kind of age, yeah. There's 45, 25, totally, totally, totally normalized. Yeah beyond i mean it's not even normalized it's what because lana lana del rey and everything got got them all interested in that women well, we can't do that right just be like oh i'm 45 turn my life around like they can still live a nice life don't get me wrong but the game's rigged so then oh, men crying all day is it, it just gets on my nerves i think yeah, those are black guys. People so much on twitter yeah yeah guys that aren't, aren't wanting to put in the work is what that is yeah, yeah, you can turn it around. I mean, you can turn around at 50. You can and it doesn't, you know, and the reality is, it, Mike, it doesn't even take that long to turn it around. I mean, <sighs> whatever it is, whether it's finances or, uh, you know, getting physically fit or, you know, just losing weight or whatever, you're talking about several months, I mean, to, to turn a lot of this stuff around in a pretty dramatic way. And, um, and people don't even like to do that. So, um, I don't know. But anyway, okay. Hey, it's been great talking to you today and um, uh, good to be back uh, here at Mindset Square. And, um, you know, folks can check out uh, Mike's website at? Yeah, you can go, um, just go to your site and do the private group thing. I don't even want to talk about my site. All right, fine. Come, go to Mike Bolin. It's Mike, B-O-L-E-N.com. Mike Bolin.com. You can go there, check it out, check out. There's a little link there for the private group. I also do an events page. I actually had my website guy copy uh, Cernovich's events page. So the wording's even the exact same. I plagiarized the whole thing, admittedly. And uh, because, you know, Mike's was perfection. So why, why fix it? And um, so it looks exactly like Mike's. And uh, most of the events that Mike, that you go to, uh, I tag along with you. So most of your shit's on my page anyway. <laughs> or you organize them, you know, or you, or you. Right, right. Them. All right. Yeah, I help organize them. And the, nice, the nicer ones that you and Nestor, the, you know, the, the strengths and weaknesses, my strength is I'm quick to execute, but I'm not an optimizer. So for me, that cigar lounge we went to, we'd still be there. And I would still be like, quit bitching about it. It's fine. Like, we're not leaving this thing ever. So I'm quick to be like, boom, you know, yeah. cigar night let's just do it right people want to well how about we do a vegas one at the i'm like you guys do it i don't i'm not gonna do any of that so on the group text mike and nestor learned to just not have me in them 
and just text each other and, and sort of optimize things, which is good. People have strengths and weaknesses and, you know, that's that, right. Their strengths. You just got to learn how to work with, with different personalities and, and people have to adapt. So, all right, Mike, great talking to you today and I will catch you on the next one. Perfect. Thanks. Thanks.